Welcome to Your Life, Your Purpose, a show dedicated to helping you live with greater power and purpose in your life by taking action. Action. Now, your host, a man who needs no introduction, Brandon Allen. All right, so uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. This is Brandon Allen from BuildYourSoulPurpose.com. And uh, I rarely do this, uh, but I've got a special guest with me today, and uh, we're going to talk to Tim Brownson. And Tim is a life coach. Uh, he's been life coaching for several years. He, he has a great blog. It's called The Daring Adventure. Um, and him and I are going to ch- uh, chat a little bit about a, a new book project that, uh, that he's putting out here uh, pretty soon. And uh, so we're going to chat a little bit about what that looks like. And that's uh, the book is called 70 Brain Facts. And uh, so, Tim, uh, without further ado, I, I appreciate you uh, being with me and, and being with my audience and, and uh, being here today. So I guess just for a little background for, for my people, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. And, and, and I appreciate you asking me on, Brandon. So th- thanks very much for that. I, I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, as you say, um, <clears throat> probably picked up on, on my accent that I'm not from these shores, although uh, I've lived in uh, Orlando now since 2006. I've been co- life coaching full-time since 2005. Um, and like you say, my um, I've been writing a blog for six years. And my approach to life coaching is kind of like, a life coach for people that wouldn't normally hire a life coach. I'm 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 not very woo woo. I'm pretty down to earth. I, I try to use uh, science and the latest research as much as I can in terms of helping people, and um, and and that's about it. But in the book title, actually, the full book title is 70 Amazing Facts About Your Brain and Why It Sometimes Does Weird Things." And that that's the kind of that's stuff right. that really fascinates me when I when I. Um, you know, when, I, when I'm reading, uh, when I started stumbling across these facts, and it, it, it just got me, me sucked in. It was uh, really interesting. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's certainly something that I spent some time with with my clients. I work with a lot of business owners, and mm-hmm. and you know, our brain does funny things. It's it's always something that if we don't take care of some of these funny things that our brain does. Um, then it's something that that always becomes a, an obstacle for us to our success. So, w- what inspired you to decide to put this project together and put it out? Um, well, there's a couple of things that I've always been really interested in. What, one of one of them is the urban myths around self-development, of, of which there are many. And the other thing is is just, is basically how the brain works and, and why we accept these these myths when sometimes they're patently not true now uh, some while ago i'm guessing probably about a year or so ago i i had started to compile just facts on the brain that really interested me that just made me think huh i, I never knew that and I, I wrote a blog post and i think it was 30 amazing facts about the brain and the interest in it was such that i just thought Okay, it's not just me, and you, you know what it's not. It's like when you're blogging, Brandon. You never truly know until you hit publish whether a blog post is going to be well received. That I've written stuff that I thought was like, mm, I don't know about this, and it's gone viral. I've written stuff that I thought, oh, this is going to slay it, and nobody, 
right. <laughs> just bothered. Yeah, I'm like, there's uh, crickets and uh, tumbleweed going through as I'm looking at the blog comments. And this one seemed to strike a chord with people. I thought, okay, well, this is a topic that I'm very much interested in. Uh, and and maybe there's a lot more there than I've, I've unearthed. So I started digging around for more information, reading. Uh, and it, I've always been fascinated by books about the brain, like um, um, Your Brain at Work by David Rock or uh, How the Brain Changes Itself by uh, Norman Doidge and, and, and how we make decisions. So, <coughs> excuse me. So I started doing some digging and, and, and just uncovered more stuff. I thought, well, this is equally as interesting. And, and as, as I got further and further, I just thought, there's actually a, an e-book in, in this, and I think it would really appeal to people. Nice. Very nice. So I jotted down some thoughts here, and we'll just go through some of these things, and, and I'm sure some other things will come out from this. But as I, as I went through here, I mean, one of the first things that I read towards the beginning of the book is is just the reality is when we're talking about our brain, the default behavior of our brain is to cling on to the old way of doing things. Even when at a rational and conscious level, our, our actions make little or no sense, right? And so yeah. that was just one thing that I just, I read that and I thought, how true is that? And But at the same time, you know, that's also something that we have to be aware of, right? I mean... When we, when we cling to that default behavior, even though it makes little or no sense. Talk to me a little bit about that and, and how you've seen well, that show up for people. We don't even need to cling to it, Brandy. It's kind of just there. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I beautifully timed a frog in my throat along with the toad, I think. So, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of there because the brain likes to work with patterns of behavior. So, you know, if we've done one thing one day, you know, the, brain, the brain's primary motive is to make sure we, we get to the end of the day still breathing. So if we get to the end of the day and we're still breathing, no matter how um, rashly we, we, we've acted or how self-sabotaging, the brain thinks, well, huh, that worked. Let's do the same thing again tomorrow. And that's why patterns of behavior build up that are sometimes obvious from the outside that they're self-sabotaging the person, but that person doesn't necessarily recognize it. And also to change patterns of behavior in the brain, it's got to be done at a conscious level. And that takes a lot of energy. And people, you know, it's like you know, one of the facts about willpower being a finite resource that it diminishes as the day goes along because it's linked to, uh, to oxygen and glucose. And as, as, as that depletes, then our willpower drops, which is why people are more likely to cave in late at night or when they're very tired. Right. So, um, so it's just a quite, you know, that it, it requires this stepping in at a conscious level, and, and that requires energy. And most people don't want to expend that energy. It feels awkward. It feels, you know, you, you're trying to create a new belief system, and 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 the brain is constantly wanting to tug us back to, you know, how we used to uh, behave or how we're behaving, you know, at, at the moment. So, it, because it allows it to conserve energy. And it allows it to do what it does best, which is, for the most part, run on automatic pilot. Gotcha. Gotcha. So one of the things that kind of was a follow-up to that that, was, that I think is very encouraging to people who read this is you, you made a statement is, is that, uh, you know, to quote from your book here, the reality is you're always doing the best you can. Even the worst decision you ever made was done with a positive intent. And I, 
I think about that for, for people that I work with, and I think how how much better would people feel about themselves and not beat themselves up so much when they it, – it's easy to look back at – at our, you know, our hindsight is twenty twenty, and mm-hmm. look back and say, oh, that was so stupid. Why did I do that? I'm an idiot, and, and beat ourselves up over things. But the reality is, is that uh, when we make decisions, even if they're bad decisions, we, we were doing them with the best intentions. I, I found that to be a very freeing comment uh, reading yeah. that, and I, I'm sure a lot of people will feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, it's not to be used as an excuse to say, well, we're going to act, act rashly now because it's with the best intent. But you sure. know, normally when we've made poor decisions, it's because we didn't have the right amount of information at the, at the time. And that can manifest in all sorts of ways. It may be just that we weren't mature, that we were lacking physical um, information, that we were under the influence of anything from alcohol to drugs to other people, et cetera, et cetera. But what we think is the right decision, even even somebody that you know does something that it looks horrific from the outside, there was a positive intent. You know, the extreme example would be somebody committing suicide. You know, people say, well, what's the positive intent? Well, the positive intent is peace. The person that does it wants to find peace from the, the mental turmoil that they're going through. So if you can take something as as, as extreme as committing suicide and see a positive intent, then you can work your way back and think, well, you know, there was a positive intent there and there. And whereas it's not a, a reason to say, okay, as I said, you know, we'll, we'll just do, I'll do whatever I want without thinking it through. It, it's a, it's definitely a way to remove, to help people remove the guilt. You know, a lot of people are guilty about things. They, they replay them in the mind. They drag themselves through the, the court in their own mind again and again and again for the same thing. But when you can realize, well, actually, I was trying to achieve something positive then. I was just lacking information. Then it becomes easier for them to accept the behavior that, that previously they thought was, you know, unacceptable, I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's, that, that's a good, uh, <clears throat> that's a good distinction to make there. So, um, tell me, Coming through and, and, and going through some of the points, you already touched on willpower, uh, which I believe is the first thing that you talked about with that and, and how important that is to realize that, that willpower really is a finite resource. But it's also, um, if I'm not mistaken, it seems like I've read this, but you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, willpower is also something that you can exercise a little bit like a, a, a muscle to get stronger in that area. Am I right with that? Yeah, you can because it, it, you know, for instance, so um, I, when I first <clears throat> moved to the U.S., trying to get back into going to the gym because pr- prior to moving, uh, there was a period of, 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 as you can imagine, a lot of sort of disruption, and I wasn't going to the gym. And then when we moved over here, there was a lot of changes going on, and, and the gym was sort of low down on my priority list. So I probably went a period of, <clears throat> I'm guessing, four or five months when I when I went. So uh, trying to get back into that required willpower to begin with. But the, the more you do something, now going to the gym for me now doesn't require any willpower because it's become a ritual. I don't really need to think about it. So I can use that element of willpower maybe somewhere else if, you know, if, if I need it. The same for me for, for meditation as well. It used to require willpower. Now it's something that I want to do. So really what we do in, it, in that respect is building up rituals of behavior. And the more rituals of behavior you've got that don't require willpower, the more willpower you've got 
to use in other areas where maybe you do need it, where, you know, if it's getting up an hour early in the morning or so on and so forth, because uh, people have a tendency to, to to set them too many things at the same time that require willpower mm-hmm. and then presume that they're personally a, a weak person when they don't follow through. And it's, you know, that's not necessarily the the the, the truth. It may be just that literally they've run out of willpower because you know they've ex- ex- depleted it to, to an extent where they've got none left. You know, if you think you know, I said before about you know when people are, are tired or people are ill, they've got less willpower. You, you know, you put somebody they've had a hard day at hard day at work and and uh, they want to quit drinking and a friend says let's go into a bar and it's like no no they say no to the first drink and and that uses a bit of willpower and they say no to the second drink and that uses a bit more and and as they go on they're getting tired and they're getting and it's like the third oh well go on one won't harm then you know so it's kind of like got to that point where they just don't want to put up any more resistance and you know that's seen as a, a lack of willpower um, but you can, but you can actually artificially boost your, your willpower. It's not something I'm necessarily in favour of people using it on a regular basis. But anything that increases glucose to the brain, so like a high energy drink, can actually improve your willpower. Um, mm. I'd be careful of things that involve lots of caffeine because that can have other detrimental effects when the crash comes. Um, right. But certainly that that can help for sure. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just so critical. It's funny. I, I I'm actually doing a workshop um, here in the coming weeks on habits. It's one of the first things I do at the beginning of the year for business owners and and changing the way that they interact with their business. And you know, willpower is such a big part of you know creating new habits and and really understanding how that works and not trying to overburden. You know, we get people with the best intentions who say. I just got to change everything. I'm all screwed up. I need to change ten yeah. things, and you know, bam, bam, bam. I'm going to do this and do that, and and you know, getting people to kind of back up and say, look, you know, let's take it one step at a time. Let's let's get this down, and we'll move on to the next thing, and and kind of go from there. So, um, yeah, exactly. So I believe I believe point number two, um, if I'm not mistaken, is where you talked about uh, the brain hating to hold two contradictory opinions. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of the cognitive, because it creates cognitive dissonance. So yeah. that's and, that, and that's basically saying like, look, when you tell yourself you you suck, your brain looks for reasons why you suck, um, okay. and how important it is to not talk about ourselves in that manner, which I think is so critical when we talk about limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and and how those manifest themselves in our day to day lives. So uh, talk to me about how you see that show up in people's lives and. And, and how people can overcome that and, and, and reset their thought process. Well, you know, it comes back again to what we were talking about a few moments ago, Brendan, in terms of um, the, the, um, having the conscious awareness, being, being aware that you want to make change because... The, the alternative is the thing is most of our thoughts, and you know everybody understands this that mo- most most of our thoughts are going on at an unconscious level, so they're looping round and round and round all all the time, and and what happens is people tend to adopt a sort of belief. Okay, the belief is I suck, and that's that's going there in the background all the time, and and the brain is sorting for information to support that belief, and it will find it 
<clears throat> because as you mentioned, cognitive dissonance. So the, the, the brain hates trying to hold two contradictory opinions at the same time. It makes it feel really awkward. So it will always try to support the stronger belief. So the stronger belief is that you've been telling yourself you suck for so long, then it's gonna, that's the way it's going to go. It's going to be very difficult. But <clears throat> it can be broken, but it, but it requires that stepping in, that awareness. You know, one of the, one of the things that I, I talk to clients about in terms of raising um, their awareness it is, is meditation because it's so awesome at helping people become aware of what they're thinking. You know, people often think, well, I'm not thinking anything. You know, it's just like, yeah, okay, now close your eyes, take a few deep breaths and, tell, and, and just concentrate on your breath and tell me you're not thinking of anything. And suddenly they realize that, that, that in, the, in, the, in the background there's all the, these thoughts going on. So, so in terms of that, it's like, first of all, making people aware that this is going on in the background. There is no way around it. You know, the times I have heard clients say to me, uh, but you don't understand, my brain's going a mile a minute. It's like, really? Um, that's because you're a human being. Everybody's brain's going a mile a minute. That's just how the human brain is designed is to, to do that. But until you realize that, and that's no different, um, you're not going to change it because, you know, people have a tendency to think, the stuff going on inside their head is weirder than the stuff that's going on inside of the head of the person next to them. But of course, we don't tell the people next to us what's going on inside our head. We just, you know, we just um, put forward, the, you know, the, the, the quote-unquote normal stuff. And uh, so people have a tendency to think that, that they're really weird. I think I may have slightly gone off topic there, but I hope that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. So that's great. So. One of the things, you know, a couple of the points, and, and for everyone listening to this, look, I'm only scratching the surface with, with what we're talking about here. So we're going to cover two or three points that I found uh, interesting but weren't the only interesting points uh, that, that I wanted to talk about, but there's there's way more to this than that. But one of the other things I wanted to talk about just briefly that I just thought was so uh it was just such a great tool for people. It was just the reframing that you talked about in terms of taking that, taking a negative situation and not necessarily, uh, you know, obviously you can't change that, what happened, but, you know, you can change the way that you perceive what happened sure. by, by finding a different meaning. And you give a couple of simple but powerful questions to really help uh, people, with, you know, that, that would, you know, would help people reframe that which i thought was just powerful yeah i mean brandon re reframing is something that if you asked me i was first introduced into it when i did my first nlp practitioner course uh probably going back 10 years now and and uh for my first four or five years in in coaching i would use reframing on a on a pretty regular basis with clients most clients i would talk to them about it and if you'd have asked me then, well, you know, how does this work? I'd, I'd have been like, well, I don't know. I've just got a load of anecdotal evidence that suggests it, it does work. But, but recently, in the last sort of five years or so, the advances in the way of understanding what's happening in the brain and with, with PET scans and fMRIs where we can start to map the brain now and see what's happening, what reframing does is actually change the structure of the brain. So um, let me briefly explain what a reframe is to anybody that, that, that is, is listening and that, that may not know. You know if, you think of, if you think of a picture with a frame around it, 
And if I, you think of your fa favourite picture now, is to remove that frame and put a, a four-foot moulding of purple and pink and yellow spots around it, uh, that's going to affect the way you view that picture. But the picture itself hasn't changed. So what we're doing with the reframe is we're taking control of the situation. So we're deciding how we feel about a certain um, incident or event. Now, we're never trying to change the event itself. The event stays the same. So uh, I'll give you an example. A, a few, uh, some while ago now, my wife broke down on Christmas Eve. And my first response was, oh, I'm trying to get some work done. I've got to go and change a tire. And then I started to do a reframe on it. And the reframe was, well, at least I, I was in, she could get hold of me because I'd, been back, I'd just got back from the UK because my mum was sick. And, and at least it didn't blow out on the I-4 and she had an accident. At least she'd managed to get the car off the road and into a, into a supermarket uh, parking lot. You know, at least... Um, I wasn't with a client, and I was able to go out, go out to her because you know I didn't like the thought of her being. You know, now none of these change the event that, that that she's broken down or she's got a flat tire, and I've got to go out. But when you start to do that, you start to de you decide how you feel about it. Now, as I say, five years ago I, I didn't know what was happening there, but there's a in in neuroscience now it's called uh, realignment or reappraisal. And basically, as I say, it changes the structure. The one thing that we're, we're aware of now that really was sort of very, very um, unexplored and un unclear as little as 10 years ago really is neuroplasticity, is the fact that the brain can, is plastic. It, it can, can rewire itself. You know, it, and, and this is what reframing does. It, it actually, you know, a, a thought is a physical pathway and you start to rewire that thought and it puts you in a position of power. Now, you can also reframe the opposite way. You know, we all know somebody that's like, how was your vacation? Well, it, you know, the first 13 days were great, but it was ruined because it rained on the last day. Now, that's a negative reframe where you take a positive situation and turn it into a negative. But what we're trying to do is not change the event, just try to take back the power of, look, I'm going to be in control of here, of how I view this situation. So that I'm not, because there's nothing worse than being a victim because that completely abdicates all our power if we take on a victim role, that we can't do anything about it. Um, right. The, the most extreme example I've ever used is a guy called Gordon Livingston who uh, wrote a book called Too Soon, Old, Too Late, Smart. And um, he, he lost both his sons, one to suicide and one to leukemia, in the space of 15 months. And he did a reframe. He was a psychologist. He did a reframe. And... and the reframe is incredibly weak. It was, well, at least my sons won't have to bury me. Now, did that make him feel good about the situation? No, of course not. But what it did is it may have slightly blunted the edges. It gave him something to look at that was a positive out of, a, you know, a, a horrific situation. You right. know, so um, it, it, I, I would say in terms of coaching, what I do, the ability to reframe is one of the most important skills. Some people are naturally, you know, for me as a salesperson in a previous life, I was reframing all the time because that's what objection handling is reframing. That's what right. spin doctors spin doctors are reframing. You know, you, you hear the same story come from two different parties with, with completely different results. All they're doing right. is reframing. They're, they're setting the fr frame for, for, yep. for you in advance, or it can be called pre-framing then as well. So, yeah, very, very powerful tool. Right. 
Absolutely, and I, I know it. You know, I, I know at the end you you spend some time on biases and mm-hmm. and I mean, there's just a lot of different things in there that, you know, when people look at that, I mean, you know, I look at one of the statistics you used in the in that area as far as. 99% of the time when people are absolutely certain about something, they're 40% wrong. Um, and I may have gotten that maybe wrong a little bit, but um, you get the idea. I mean, that's pretty crazy when we think that 99% of the time we're certain of something and then we're actually wrong 40% of the time. So, yeah. uh, you know, really understanding, you know, biases and, and things like that is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that the, 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 you know, the, the brain wants to give you the information that you ask for, you know, so uh, I can remember having a conversation with my mother-in-law a couple of years ago. We were on vacation together and, and she was telling this story and my wife was telling the same story and they were completely different for the same event. And, and right. I was saying, so I started to explain false memory syndrome and uh, my mother-in-law's response was, yeah, but this is true because I know it is because I can remember it, which is like, okay, I, I give up then, you know, but the, the fact is that our, you know, our, our, we do create, we all, we all have false memories or, you know, right. we remember things and then, you know, we say it may even be um, places that we go back to that maybe we knew as a kid. And, you know, I can remember going back to my old kindergarten school, <clears throat> oh, probably about 10 years ago now for the first time, and I couldn't, there was this huge wall in the playground that was like, I don't know, 25 foot tall. And when I went there, it was really only about three foot tall. But I would have sworn to God that this thing was like, nobody you know, could get anywhere near the top of it. And it's just, right. you know, it's just, it, it, it is what it is. And it's just your, your, your mind playing tricks on you, which it's very good at doing. Right. And I mean, when you talk about the book and, and what you've, you know, what you created. I mean, that's really one of the things that you wanted to point out is that just because our brain tells us something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Um, and there's a lot of different, you know, things that you go through in terms of, you know, how the brain can be misleading. And and I think it's power to recognize that uh, just because we believe something does not, uh, does not necessarily make it so. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and that's one of the most important messages that I want to get over from the book because you know what what the world needs more without wanting to turn into a Miss Universe conversation uh, Brandon, but what the world needs more is is more tolerance. And we if we can understand that our point of view is just that, a point of view and an opinion and a view on reality then we're much more likely to be tolerant of other people's because, you know, there's 7 billion different realities on this planet. There's 7 billion brains all making up stuff or creating a world for itself. And, and none are more accurate than, than, than the others. You know, it, it is what it is. It's, it's just a different re- reality. So, you know, if we understand that, we, we can start to get our heads around people we think are being unreasonable. We think, well, actually, they're just living in a different reality. You can Absolutely. call it wrong if you want to, but it, but you know, equally they can call your reality wrong. You know, it's that whole thing. I'm not mad. It's just the rest of the the rest of the the world that's mad. Well, maybe that's true. How can you prove categorically that's not the case? Right. Right. Okay. Well, good. So, seventy amazing facts about your brain and why it does weird things. Tim, how do people get uh, a copy? 
Okay, well, for, from from 8th of January um, for a week, the book's going to be a free download, either as a as a PDF or the Kindle version. I will give you a link that if you want to drop in, um, because the link, if I if I read the link out to you now, it's going to be fairly wordy for people to write down, so I can give you a link to that. Um, after that, it will only be available on Kindle, on Amazon to buy, or as a, for, for my newsletter subscribers. But like I say, the, I, I don't require anybody to sign up. Um, they can download the book and exit my website without giving me any email uh, details at all. I just want to get the information out there because because it fascinates me and it would be it, it would have been a book that I would have loved to have read as as well. I hope that doesn't sound arrogant. It's not meant to be, but because the the research process for me was just fascinating in finding this stuff. So uh, so yeah. Yeah. Well, listen. I think for for everyone who would listen to this. Uh, who listens to my show, who listens to my interviews, who reads my articles, uh, Headspace and, and, and really having a conscious, uh, a, a conscious viewpoint of our brain and our thoughts is so important. Uh, it's something that when we can really get, uh, when we can get more of a handle on that and really understand the reality of certain situations and what's going on, it allows us, it, it removes those obstacles to success it allows us to create in the manner that we were meant to create in, uh, and it's so important. So uh, when I when I saw this and I went through it, I thought this is something that I want people who are associated with me to go through and read. And like I said, look, I took tons of notes. I only went through three or four of my notes, and I took about 30 notes uh, <laughs> as I went through the book. And, and when I say that, you're going to think, well, how long is this book? Uh, the book isn't that long, but I took a lot of notes. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Tim, any other final thoughts uh, before we go? No, not at all, Brandon. I mean, I'll, I'll re- sort of uh, reiterate what you say. You can read the book in probably about 30 to 40 minutes. It isn't very long at all. It's 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 what that stimulates, the thought process that stimulates. It's important to me, not just to, to, to rush through it and just think, oh, that was interesting and move on. It's just like, well, how does that apply to me? That's where the real use of it um, uh, it c- comes into play as far as I'm concerned. So, so, yep. so no. First of all, f- thanks very much for for um, inviting me on, and thanks very much for, for for putting up with my coughing fit. And I don't know if you heard two Dobermans going ballistic about five minutes into our conversation, and my wife desperately trying to quieten them down. So, so I. I all I right, it gives it, it gives the whole thing personality. So it's there all you good. Go. There you go. <laughs> I'll do seventy <laughs> amazing things about a Doberman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, good deal. Well, Tim, I appreciate uh, uh, you uh, being a guest, and, and again, uh, we'll we'll post information on uh, builtyoursoulpurpose.com about how you can get uh, get the book, and uh, I encourage you to check it out, uh, especially uh, within that week time frame. So, uh, again, Tim, I appreciate it, and I uh, want to thank everyone for listening today.